Welcome to the LTC University podcast. My name is Jamie Preston, and we're here with Dr. Lauren Mims. I'm going to try this, Lauren. I'm going to give it a try, but I, I, I mess the medical words up all the time. So you're a doctor of osteopathic medicine. Correct. <laughs> I got it right. Wow, this is yes. amazing. That is amazing. Because um, I mess up words all the time. Well, it's great to have you on the podcast, and we're actually at the LTC University Provider Conference, and you were one of our speakers, and um, you talked about transitioning from, you know, kind of a primary care to palliative care, and then eventually to hospice, um, and and we're excited to have you today, and kind of talk through that. You, I know you spoke a lot about how dealing and working with patients, you know, and how to communicate with them, and, and language. I think language is huge language is very key to everything that i do Mm -hmm. um and i say it's key not only between providers and patients but even providers to other providers Mm -hmm. because it really paints a picture of how we can best support into patient each individual patient's situation Um, and I think the main message, one of my main objectives of my presentation was that communication is key. Mm-hmm. It is about talking through to our patients, not only at the end of life to see what their wishes are, but starting that conversation early to help prepare not only them, but their families. Mm-hmm. Um, because we know so many people with chronic illnesses yeah. um, tend to just go along until they're not anymore yeah and it can come as quite a shock i've had this diagnosis Mm -hmm. for years why is it different now um so having those conversations right out the gate at time of diagnoses or even a little bit afterwards when they've Mm -hmm. adjusted to the news that's a good time to start these conversations hey my example is you've been diagnosed with heart failure let's talk about what this looks like in a long-term trajectory Mm -hmm. because You might be great the first few years, but let's talk about when it gets a few more years past that Mm -hmm. and it gets harder to do the things you love. What's most important to you and how do we prioritize that time? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and it is. And that, and that's the thing too, like primary care is typically one-on-one with your provider, Mm -hmm. you know, then you move into palliative care and it's Mm -hmm. usually you and your spouse, you know, you know, we're working with a spouse typically in there and then with hospice you're working with the whole family at yes. that point you, you got daughters you know sons your, your aunts uncles yeah, everyone extended yes <laughs> you know, so so it's really big on how you communicate so give yeah. people kind of the forty thousand foot view of your what you talked about today yeah and i think one of the priority things that i talked about is there's different types of palliative care that can layer and support for your mm-hmm. patients There's primary palliative care, which is what people are doing on the ground. Those are your primary Mm -hmm. care providers. That's just genuinely caring about people and having these conversations that need to be had. Mm -hmm. Then there's specialty palliative care, which is what I'm currently doing. Um, And those are really, we help not only with symptom management, you know, Mm -hmm. especially like pain, nausea, vomiting, especially with patients with cancer diagnoses. Those can be very hard Um, but when you're seeing a palliative care specialist we can see you throughout the continuum it's just that extra layer of support Mm -hmm. that helps no matter how long your prognosis is you do not have to be 
terminal to be mm-hmm. seen by palliative right. care. You just have to have a serious illness, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. Yeah. We know everything from cardiovascular disease, neurodegenerate disease, neurodegenerate Neurodegenerative yeah. disease. I, yes. <laughs> I, rubbed, I rubbed off on you there. And, uh, <laughs> yes. So neurodegenerative diseases, yeah. um, chronic renal disease, chronic liver mm-hmm. disease. These are the patients that need the most support over yeah. time, mm-hmm. and they're not getting their support they need yeah. to be prepared for the future that is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of patients that say, well, no one's talked to me about it. And a lot of it is addressing the stigma and fear about mm-hmm. talking about planning just because planning is happening. That doesn't mean that we're causing anything. Right. It actually means it's taking the burden, not only off of your shoulders, mm-hmm. but your family's shoulders. Cause yeah. they're really hearing mm-hmm what your wishes are for medical care moving forward and avoiding situations where you're no longer able to speak for yourself and Mm -hmm. your family's put in very difficult positions. And so that just ties back into communication is key. And I think there's lots of different frameworks. I talked about anything from vital talk, which is public domain, Mm -hmm. um, the serious illness conversation guide, Mm -hmm. um, the remap technique, All of these are tools just to help us feel more comfortable as providers to talk through these hard situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing too, like, especially when you're dealing with a serious illness or especially terminal, it's not one conversation. Yes, you're absolutely right. It's multiple conversations. Because especially when you're dropping bombs on people and you're you're bringing a really, I'll never forget, you know, when I was diagnosed with diabetes long time ago yep. and I was, I was and I was younger I couldn't wrap my mind around it yes the one conversation you yep. know and and the and the provider she did a great job of explaining it what's going on she did excellent but it was multiple conversations yes yeah and, and it had to be multiple because it, it, when you get that information you're like oh it's kind of rocks your world you're like I, I can't think about anything else Mm-hmm. After you said, hey, you have diabetes, that's all I heard. Exactly. And I didn't hear anything else. I hear that so often mm-hmm. from patients. When I go to see them, especially after they've been given something like a cancer diagnosis yeah. or pulmonary fibrosis, mm-hmm. they heard that and nothing, nothing after it. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of just talking to them and saying, mm-hmm. okay, I hear you have questions. And sometimes I've especially found that when people are really dealing with emotions, mm-hmm. you can't even get into no. the medical information. And th- you've got to address the emotion in the yeah. room and name it yeah. before you can move on to what comes next. It takes time to process that, especially. Exactly. I mean, I think about just diabetes, and mm-hmm. that wasn't life-ending. But when you have a, a, a cancer diagnosis and, you, you know, something that's really, you know, not to minimize diabetes, but when you have something like that, that's, it's so serious. And, it and, and like you said, you know, you don't hear anything after that. Exactly. Well, even know. with diabetes, that's mm-hmm. something you're going to have to chronically manage yeah. for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. It has shifted how you yeah. have to look at the world. That's a heavy yeah. thing to think about. Yeah. And it was a roller coaster. It was... You know, up and down, up and down, you know, mm-hmm. A1C checks. Now, luckily, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, luckily I've had surgery. 
I don't have diabetes anymore, you know. So yeah, I had, that's I had a blessing. Bypass. Yeah, <laughs> you know, lost a ton of weight, you know. So, so yeah, but I'll never forget that. Yep. That that experience of being told. Yeah. Um, so. And it's experiences like that that change our whole views on mm-hmm. healthcare and yeah. why it's so important to have those conversations. And I think it's really important that you remembered they did a good job you just Mm -hmm. weren't mentally able to process it Mm -hmm. but them trying with multiple conversations kept you engaged Mm -hmm. kept you involved and kept you knowledgeable as you made steps forward with your disease process absolutely yeah and it's yeah and it was a game changer and and i'll never forget too because i i you know i remember being told that that initial visit went back you know and i had improved you know over time well, I kind of, and the providers that know me, they're going to kill me when I hear this. Um, <laughs> but I remember I just kind of like, I got tired of dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And I quit taking my medication. I, was, I wasn't working on my diet at all. And I went back. I went back another time. I don't even know why I went back. I just, yeah, I, went, I go back to the doctor, made the scheduled appointment, go back. And she tells me she... And she really did a good job. She's like, Jamie, I need to get your attention. She's like, I need you to listen to me. And that, mm-hmm. her saying that, I'm like, okay, this is serious. Yep. So I listened, and she, and she was like, Jamie, you're A1C, and you may freak out about this too. She's like, it's off the chart. She's like, it's over 17. And yeah, it, it was terrible. And, that yeah. is concerning. Yeah, exactly. Highly concerning, and, yes. And how she explained it to me. She said, Jamie, she's like, I have patients in the hospital right now with lower A1Cs than you have right now. She says, I need you to hear me. We've got to get this under control. And, and we did. And it was, and I thank God for her because it really made a difference. And, mm-hmm. and then I did get it under control and it took time. And But I knew I had a provider that cared. Exactly. That was that was communicating with me, but then she also listened to me too. Like I remember yes. the first time she put me on, on, you know, insulin, you know, she was showing me how to, you know, use the pen and mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff. Cause I was terrified of that stuff. Yeah. You know? it, was, it was a big deal. It so, is. so yeah, I mean, you're the communication you have with your provider is yeah. huge. And there's so much trust there. Mm-hmm. And just speaking to that situation in particular, that's why it's so important to start these conversations even with your primary care physician, Mm -hmm. with your specialist, because you grow to trust them and their opinion. Mm -hmm. And so when she said, you need to listen, you took it seriously. Instead of some stranger walking in the room and saying, Mm -hmm. okay, well, this isn't great. You're like, okay, well, I don't know you. I don't have a relationship with you. Who are you to tell me Mm -hmm. that? But that's why it's so important to start this out, out before people are so sick they come into the Mm -hmm. hospital and before their diseases get to such a progressed spot that they can't have these conversations because we've already fallen off that cliff. Absolutely. So let's get into some of those, you know, when you're dealing with your more serious illnesses, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're in that palliative care stage. Mm The spe- you know, specialty stage, and then mm-hmm. even the hospice. You know, yes. what are some of those key techniques you're using? You know, when you are communicating with them. Yeah, and I think a really big one is I think people come in with an agenda, mm. <laughs> uh, and come in with I have to cover A, B, C, and D in this conversation. Yeah. Um, and the way I tend to approach patients is okay. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to listen to what's going on with you and what your biggest concerns are. 
because it amazes me how much people just want to be heard mm. and feel yeah, so like someone is taking them seriously. Right. They're like, oh, I've seen so many specialists. You're just another one. No, I'm here for you. Why don't you tell me what's going on? Yeah. I would say about 90% of the time, I'm just listening to people. It's mm. not even offering medical advice then. Right. But when people get that off their chest and get out what they need to say, then I can start to process, okay, mm-hmm. so you've heard there's some very serious things going on here. Yeah. What are you hoping for moving forward knowing this? Yeah. What brings you joy in your life, and how do we best align care to meet you where you're at? Mm-hmm. And sometimes people are doing well enough that palliative care is a perfect fit for them. They're still getting therapies, maybe curative therapies but they're still getting therapies they're seeing their oncologist palliative care is there is a great support continuing conversations helping with advanced care planning Mm -hmm. and those kind of symptom managements and then it preps you for a great time when hey i've heard that spending time with your family just as an example Mm -hmm. is most important to you it looks like we're now in a different place where you're spending more time in the hospital feeling poorly mm-hmm. than at home with your family. Maybe we should talk about should we transition care at this time and focus more on keeping you home. Yeah. What do you say to those providers, those, those other physicians like yourself, that they struggle with that awkward conversation? They struggle with talking about death they struggle because that is not it's not easy it is not i admit that very upfront (laughs) yeah what what would you say to those those providers that struggle with that well i would say that it is in the best interest of the patient Mm -hmm. um because they trust us they trust us to guide them through every step of their life Mm -hmm. i'm a big proponent of we take someone giving birth very seriously Mm -hmm. we have a whole team for it you go to the hospital for it it's a huge Mm -hmm. beautiful process everyone will have an end of life conversation at some point Mm -hmm. why not align with the patient and what's most important to them and figure out how to make that the best experience possible Mm -hmm. we should treat end of life care with as much respect is we treat the beginning of yeah. life. Those are the only guarantees, right. right? Yeah, and I think it's and it's so hard to do this, but and it's easier to say than it is to do. But it, normalizing that yes. part of life, yes, is really hard. And I it think is. the more we can normalize that, to say, hey, yeah, no, this is where we're at. Mm-hmm. Let's make this just as beautiful, you yes. know. And and I think it can. And you know, not every situation is different. And You're I've, absolutely right. <laughs> I've, I've been in that. I've sat with the, you know, I've sat in a hospital room with a mother who had a 35-year-old son who was dying of cancer, and he was struggling and gasping for breath, yeah. you know, with lung cancer. And so yeah. I've, I've had to sit there, and, and it's not easy. It's not. And, and I remember the weight of that going home. You know, after mm-hmm. that, it was, it was a, I remember it was a, t- I, I don't know why I remember this, but it was Valentine's Day. And I remember we had two, when I worked for hospice, we had two patients. We had a 40 year old and a 35 year old in one day. It was difficult. Yeah. You know, and, but man, just, just the fact, just being there with that person, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like you said before, just listening. Yep. 
just being present. present. It's amazing what yes. human presence can do mm. to make someone else feel yes. better. And yeah. just like I said, know they're mm. being heard. And it is hard when people are younger, especially mm. to have those really hard conversations. Yeah. I think we've just taken death and kind of medicalized it, yes. stuck it in a corner and said, you sit over there. We don't right. talk about you. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, I think that's really damaged our society as mm. a whole and yeah. made people just a of this even in medical school yeah. they don't really unless training has changed which yeah. i hope it is right they don't really take you aside and say let's do some classes on how to talk to people about yes. the end of life mm-hmm. and it's not like our culture doesn't i don't i think i don't think it's a matter they don't want to because that's not the case at all look at netflix there's a, yep. lots of shows that people exactly. are watching about death yes there is so there I'm not going to say so many, but there are studies that show patients want to talk about these things and they want their provider to be involved in these conversations. Mm -hmm. What the data also shows is we're the ones that are afraid to talk about Mm, it. We're the ones that just don't want to start the conversation, Mm -hmm. but the patients want it. Time and time again, the Mm -hmm. studies show Please talk to us. We want to fully understand our health and know what this means for us and our families moving forward. And hearing that sad story about that Mm 35-year-old, sometimes conversations are just how this is hard. I can't make this better for you. Mm -hmm. But maybe we can help this be as painless and beautiful as possible for the situation. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when people have hospice support, I kind of ask for the situation that it was, how was your hospice experience? I yeah. know it was hard, mm-hmm. but so many times I get the response of, it was beautiful. They took such wonderful care of mom. So many times. They were so loving, and mom died at home, surrounded by her family in peace, yeah. just like she wanted. And I've, heard, and I've heard the opposite story of somebody who didn't have hospice they weren't offered hospice they never were referred to hospice and i've heard the opposite and it it breaks my heart you know now if they if they're offered hospice you know they're at the end of life and they're offered hospice and they don't accept it and Mm -hmm. they just don't want it that's something different yes but the fact that somebody was never offered or the provider never talked about what was going on and, and never you know, kind of leveled with them and never offered that referral, you know, to a hospice care, you know, to me, that's unacceptable. Yeah. That's truly heartbreaking because Mm -hmm. not only could the patient have greatly benefited, but the bereavement support for families after that is amazing. It really is. And it can change the way people view end of life. Mm -hmm. So when people don't get it and they see their loved one die in a very unpleasant manner Mm -hmm. that's what they think of death they think that's normal Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be if we talk about it and normalize it and start those conversations earlier absolutely yeah and that's 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 what's needed I mean because what they need they need an advocate at that point they need somebody that has the expertise has the knowledge that can say hey this is what you're going to face this is what you're going to go through this is medically what's going to happen this is mm-hmm. this but here's what we're going to do to support you here's what we're going to do to support your family your loved ones your mm-hmm. you know and I, I think too i think people 
one of the things I'm kind of going through right now. And I've done tons of, you know, like personally went out and done dementia training, you know, mm-hmm. and, and with, and right now I'm dealing with a, a father who has Alzheimer's. Well, now, even though I've done all this dementia training, it's all kind of goes out the window dealing with my dad. You know, I'm like, uh, I'm the one now I'm the one on the other side of the table here yeah. dealing with this and I'm forgetting all the stuff. So it's, and so I, when I think of like nurses and different people that are in the medical field when they have a parent and I've heard this many times is, you know, the daughter who's a nurse or the son who's a nurse, mm-hmm. they don't have, they can just be the son. They can yes. just be the daughter, they yes. can, you know, and I think, I think it's important. I agree. Yeah. I I am one of those people where I love my family very much mm-hmm. and I'm also not their doctor. Yes. For a reason yeah. because I'm not my either, vision becomes but I'm clouded. Not a doctor, so. <laughs> <laughs> I admit though when it comes to family, yeah. our vision becomes clouded. Right. We're not the uh, clinical yeah. person we're supposed yeah. to be. Mm-hmm. And I am very upfront about that with my family. I want to just be their daughter, mm-hmm. their granddaughter. Yes. I want to be family when it comes time for these kind of conversations mm-hmm. and treating it as I'm here to support them. Yeah. Don't look at me as a medical provider. Mm-hmm. I am family and yeah. family first. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Mims, thank you so much of for, course. Uh, for your time today. I know I, I was I was in the back when you were speaking uh, in your session. There was lots of engagement. People... I, I, yeah, they just need these tools to be able to have these conversations, and uh, exactly. yeah, it's great. Now, where, where can people find you? Uh, well, currently, I'm working down at MUSC in Charleston. I'm awesome. one of the inpatient providers there, so I'm can definitely look me up. Um, mm-hmm. I will also say that my email is mimsl at musc.edu if anyone wants to reach out to me or has any particular questions. Um, I work on inpatient primarily, but I do some outpatient palliative care, and I'm also geriatric trained, so I have lots of different passions down there, and I'm happy to help anyone, provide any resources I can to get knowledge out about this and the conversations that need to be had. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time today. This has been been a great discussion. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And if you could leave us a five-star review, we would really appreciate it. Visit our podcast website at ltcuniversitypodcast.com. You can also subscribe to one of our other podcasts in our podcast network, The Disrupted Podcast with Scott Middleton, Experiencing Healthcare with Matt Staub, and The Thriving Practitioner Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week with a new episode. Have a great week.